0: keeps doing it. Grab your Bible's church. let's open together a new series headlines. I want you to know what God says about himself. And uh, there's this amazing scene for us in Exodus. exodus thirty three and thirty four bookends today's headline. A lot of headlines going on in the world these days, a lot of headlines that I think ultimately end up being a distraction for us. And I don't want us to lose focus in these days. and so, This will be an encouraging, uh, inspiring, enlightful series leading us into Christmas headlines. Today's headline, it's all in the name. It's all in the name. And that's what the Lord wants Moses and the people to realize. They've gotten off to a bit of a rocky start. The Ten Commandments have been etched on stone and God has delivered those to Moses, but he has also told them what the people have been up to while Moses has been on the mountain and it hasn't been going well. So down the mountain, Moses goes with the Ten Commandments and smashes them on the rocks in light of witnessing what he he now sees of, of, of the carved image and molding of a golden calf that has now taken the place of Yahweh, taking the place of God, uh, being their Lord. And uh, he, can't even, he can't even believe it. He actually grinds up the tablets into powder, puts it in the water, and makes the people drink it. He's ticked. And he wants s- so badly, he wants so much uh, for this to go right, for this to go according to plan. And so he says in verse 30, look at Exodus, look at chapter 32, just for a second let me back up. He says in verse 30 of chapter 32, it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord and perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And Moses returned. I don't know if you've seen this verse. This is an interesting verse for us to take note of. It's verse 31. Exodus 32, 31. Then Moses returned to the Lord, and he said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a god of gold. Do you see how the things of this world can creep in and monopolize and, and take over what should really be, church, our full and undivided attention, on doing exactly what we've done this morning, worshiping and praising and glorifying and thanking the Lord for all that He's done in setting us free from Egypt, setting us free from a life of sin and slavery. And here Moses says, Let me see if I can go atone for these sins, if I can mediate between the mess and the Messiah. And up he goes to meet with the Lord because they have made for themselves a God of gold. If you could, with me, just for a few minutes, forget about the gold. Forget about all the materialistic things that this world and life wants us to remain fixated and focused on And just give God the attention and honor and glory that he deserves. This is the heart of Moses. In fact, he pleads and says in the next verse, that's verse 32, Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out. So he puts himself there in the middle. Blot me out of your book. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will will blot him out of my book. That's a wake-up call. And he says this. He says, therefore, go and lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. And behold, my angel. Now, now we're studying the life and ministry of Jesus through the Gospels in our midweeks. And... um, Rolling out beautifully, enjoying this. We're going to get into Christmas here before you know it. But that's not the first appearance of Jesus, this baby in Bethlehem. Here, Jesus, this angel, my angel, capital A. It's a theophany, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Don't just give credit to the cloud. It's not the cloud that led them or the pillar of fire at night. It's the angel of the Lord, my angel. Look what it says. My angel will go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. And so the Lord plagued the people because of what they had done with the calf which Aaron had made. And that sets up now this moment in Moses' life of really getting to know God. And I love what chapter 33 says as he now goes back up onto the mountain to receive a second set of the Ten Commandments. Same laws, nothing's changed, but a second said. And, and, and as he goes, look at verse 10, chapter 33, verse 10. All the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshiped, and each man in his tent, in his door. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Look at this, I love this. As a man speaks to his friend. That's beautiful. It shows you the heart of God desiring very much to have a relationship with us. He spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Beautiful. And then it just rolls out this absolutely miraculous picture of grace that God offers to Moses and the people here. In this, in this little segment of time between the first set of tablets and the second set. And this is heavy on my heart to just sort of allow for what Moses experiences to be our experience. And not to miss it by all of the distractions in our lives. To be that intimate with the Lord, to be able to speak with him as a man speaks to his friend. He would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. And so Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me, and yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray. If I have found grace in your sight, then show me now your way. This is a beautiful prayer. This should be our prayer. Prayer for our families. If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. Boy, America needs that verse. Going into this election season and seeing all that is before us, before the school districts. What a prayer that, 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 that he prays. If, if, I, if I have found grace in your sight, Lord, then now show me your way. That I may know you. That's what, Paul, that's what Paul says. That I may know you, Paul says. The apostle Paul says that I may know you and the power of your resurrection. That I may know you, that, that, that I might find grace in your sight. And consider this nation to be a nation of your people. God answers that prayer beautifully. Look at it with me. You got it? You got it? Say got it. Look at verse 14. He said, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. There's a headline. He said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, then we don't want to budge. We're not going to move. We're not going to take a step. If your presence does not go with us, then don't bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that we're your people, or that we have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? And so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And so the Lord said to Moses, "I will, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name." Can you say that this morning? Say that that's the case, that you have found grace, and God knows you by name. is that beautiful? It's absolutely beautiful. Moses pushes it a little bit in verse 18, doesn't it? He? He's like, show me your glory. And he said, well... Um, This is verse 19, I I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. He's about to do that. We're going to see that. We're going to see this verse fulfilled. I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will proclaim my name before you, God says. That's the headline. I'm going to proclaim my name. It's all in the name and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you can't see my face. No man shall see me and live. The Lord said, Here, here's a place. Stand up on that rock. And so it shall be that while my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going I'm to cover you. I'm going to shelter you. I'm going to cover you with my hand, and then I will pass by. And and, and then I will take away my hand and you will see my back, but my face you will not see. My face won't, won't, won't be you won't see my my face you won't see because that's, that's gonna kill you. You're gonna see my glory, you're gonna see my grace, you're gonna see my name proclaimed, you're gonna see me shelter you and 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 hover over you and and, and protect you in the cleft of the rock. I'm gonna take my hand away for a second, you'll see my back. But my face you won't see because I don't want you dead. I want you wiped out. And so the Lord said this to Moses, cut the two tablets of stone again like you had, like the first ones, and I'll, I'll write on them. Here's God. I'll write on them. I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets that you broke so I want you to be ready. Be ready in the morning, and, and, and come up in the morning to the mount, Mount Sinai, and present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No man's to come with you, and no animals are to touch the mountain, no herds or flocks. So he cut the two tablets of stone like the first two, and Moses rose early in the morning. He went up on the Mount, mount Sinai, and the Lord had commanded him to go, and he took, the, he, he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. So the Lord descends, look at this. Descends in a cloud. This is Hurricane Yahweh. Here we go. He comes down in this massive thundercloud. Stands with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. That's exactly what he said he would do up in verse 19. He proclaims the name of the Lord. And he said, the Lord said, he passes before him. And he says this. Here it is, verse 6. Look at this. The Lord. The Lord God. The Lord. It's all in the name. The Lord, the Lord God, Yahweh, Yahweh, Elohim. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful. That's the first thing he wants Moses to know. It's a little headline between the rolling out of the tablets. Here's how I want you to live. Here's the commandments that I want you to follow. And here's who they're from. They're from Yahweh, Yahweh. They're from the Lord God Almighty, I am that I am. And the first thing he wants the people to know is that he's merciful. He could have said, Yahweh, Yahweh, all-powerful. That would have made sense. Yahweh, Yahweh, all-holy. That would have made total sense. Yahweh, Yahweh, They have just royally screwed up. They've been having the time of their lives in this crazy, naked orgy and development. Listen, we don't mold God. God molds us. And they've been molding this God into their image with all of their fine Egyptian jewelry that they have taken off. And God very easily could have said, Yahweh, Yahweh, all-powerful, all-holy, righteous no he says even in the midst of their mess he says this is the first thing i want them to know about me i'm a merciful god yahweh yahweh you ought to be happy about this this morning merciful and gracious long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth those are headlines those are headlines that god says about himself that I think we as people need to rejoice in and, 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 and celebrate and not scoot to the side or think that there are more important things on our agenda than this, because there is not. Other than knowing him and knowing his nature and, and knowing his headlines, what, what, what he writes about himself, merciful and gracious and longsuffering and abounding in goodness and, and truth and keeping mercy for thousands, and forgiving, look at this, look at this heart of God, you guys. Look at this God who wants to be your friend. This God who wants to extend to you in the mess of, 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 of all the, the, the world and what we're living for right now as a society. He wants to show himself in your life as the one who is merciful and gracious and longsuffering and abounding in goodness, but you better not just take that for, for, for granted can't just take that for granted he's forgiving look at look at look what he's forgiving look at verse 7 forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but by no means clearing the guilty you're like what put the brakes on what it was really good it's like my new favorite verse until you got by no means clearing the guilty like like you're like curveball what what how did that get By no means clear, where'd the mercy go? Thought he was merciful, thought he was gracious, thought he was long-suffering. By no means clear in the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation? What? Sounds like God's holding a grudge. Am I gonna pay for dad's sins? Is that what he means? So Moses made haste, and he bowed his head towards the earth, and he worshipped. He worshipped this God who has now made himself known. Made himself known. This is the announcement of all announcements. This is extra, extra, read all about it. This is Yahweh, Yahweh, merciful and gracious and long-suffering, and don't mess with me. I'm going to clear your sin. I'll forgive you of your mistakes, but there are limits. So he answers. He answers Moses on behalf of the nation, on behalf of the people. And his answers are exactly how he wants to be known. And that just rings true in my heart as a a much-needed series. That if we're going to serve this God, we ought to know this God. If we're going to trust this God, we ought to know this God. If we're going to spend eternity in heaven with this God, we ought to know this God. Here's some quotes. I love this quote. Look what uh, Tozer says. A.W. Tozer has this amazing thought to which he he just has a way of putting this together. I love love this guy, one of my favorites. He says, it's simply not enough to know about God. Come on, gang, church, listen, lean into this. This is so good. It's not not enough to know about him, okay? We must know God in increasing levels of intimacy. Pray for that right now, just as you're seated. Just, Just pray, Pray for a deeper level of intimacy with the Lord. It's not enough to know about Him. This is what's happening to Moses. This is the experience of Moses and and the people in Exodus chapter 34 to know God in increasing levels of intimacy that lifts us up above all reason into a world of adoration and worship and praise. What a thought! What, What a great idea! For us to embrace and apply to our lives. Luther puts it this way. Look what Luther says. The most damnable, (laughs) destructive heresy that's ever plagued the mind of man is this thought, is this notion that somehow he can make himself good enough to deserve to live forever with a holy and righteous God. That's the crazy thought is that I'm good enough. I ain't good enough. They weren't good enough. You're not good enough. You need a God who's a God First and foremost, out of the gate, calling himself merciful. Merciful and gracious. What's the difference next weekend? What's the difference? It's the difference between us together realizing that even on our best day, our righteousness is filthy rags, that we need a, we need a Savior, we need, we need a mediator, we need one who can step in and, a, and, and atone for our mistakes and shortcomings. This notion, this idea that that there would be anything in us good enough to deserve to live forever with an all holy and righteous God. Lewis puts it like this. Lewis says the great thing to remember is that though our feelings come and go, his love for us does not. That's one thing we will learn in this Headline series about the nature of God is that his nature is unchangeable. It isn't one way one day and different the next. The great thing to remember is that though our feelings go up and down and and all over the scale, his love, his love for us does not, it's not wearied by our sins. This is an amazing thought, nor is it indifferent. And therefore it is quite relentless in its determination that we will be cured of these sins at whatever cost to us. And at whatever cost to Him, bam! And and, and what it cost Him to come down and finally make amends and atone for what truly He had every right to put heavily on the shoulders of those who had been found guilty and on their children and on their children's children to the third and to the fourth generation is all placed instead on His Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This was the John 3.16 passage before the New Testament ever came along. It was Exodus 34. Yahweh, Yahweh. A God who is merciful and gracious. This is is what they would carve their plaques for the kitchen wall from. This, This is literally the most quoted verse in all of the Old Testament. The most quoted, the most replayed of all scriptures in the Old Testament this passage before us. And so I think worthy of, of some time and attention. And for him to roll out by wanting them to know this is, this is, this is me, this, this headline, headline, extra, extra, hey, attention, everyone. Yahweh, Yahweh. What, what, what do you know about that name? Because there's a lot of names that God could have ended up calling himself. In fact: If you did a Google search on that, you, you you would find that you know he could have called himself uh, the the Good Shepherd. We know that is a name about about God, right? The, the bright and morning star. He could have called himself the Alpha, the Omega. He could have called himself the Lily of the Valley. There's 950 names of God. He chooses this one because this is the most sacred, Yahweh. He chooses this one and he says it twice. Because not only is it the most sacred, it's the most personal. And then would be used 7,000 times. is that incredible? Seven's the number of completion. Seven's the number of perfection. 7,000 times Yahweh. This isn't the first usage of it, but it, but it is to the same recipient was actually Moses at the burning bush. Turn there with me just for a second. I know you're familiar with it, but in Exodus chapter three is the first rollout of this name, this headline, Yahweh. And it's in the midst of Moses saying, you know, if you really want me to go and do this, which I really can't quite comprehend since I stutter, since I'm really not a born leader, since I got all of these reasons to which we have studied and looked at in previous messages, ultimately he sort of boils it down and says, if I am going to go, it would probably be good for me to know your name. Who am I supposed to say sent me? To which then the Lord replies in Exodus 3 and says in verse 14, And God said to Moses, I am who I am, Yahweh. First appearance of the word in scripture. There at the burning bush. That's what it means. I am that I am. I am, Yahweh, that I am, Yahweh. Yahweh, Yahweh. I am who I am. And thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am, Yahweh, has sent me to you. I am Who I am, Yahweh, Yahweh. Moreover, God said to Moses, now this is an important part of the story. Sometimes we stop reading too soon. Moreover, God said to Moses, this is verse 15, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Have you seen this at the end of verse 15? Look at this, this is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. If you've been to Israel with us, you've visited Yad Vashem, the name, the memorial, the memorial Vashem of the name Yad. This is his name. And, 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 and bear with me for a moment while I just geek out with you for a second over over just kind of the word study of this, of this name. In fact, this name, Yahweh, so incredibly sacred and yet personal that the Jews won't even use it. They won't even utter the name. They won't say it. And when they come to it in scripture, they'll say Lashem, they'll say, the name, but they won't say Yahweh. Or they'll remove the valves. A lot of you know this. And so 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 when you come upon it, you'll see, instead of Yahweh, you'll see YHWH, the valves removed, lest they end up desecrating the most holy and sacred and personal of all names. And, And they will they will they will they will shrink it into what now has been called and is and it is known throughout the world as the tetragrammaton. The tetragrammaton is tetra-Greek. That's four. The four letters. The four word. The four, the four letters of the, of the name of God. The name above all names. The, the Holy One. The name, the tetragrammaton. The valves removed. Go unpronounced. Leaving yod, hay, Vav, hey, Yah, Yahweh, Yod, in, in Hebrew, some say Yod. Or Yod. When I go to when I go to Uganda, my 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 friends just returned from Africa. And when I go to Africa, it's all they, they always say Bob. Bob. In in America, it's Bob. And I've always wondered when I get to heaven, is it going to be Bob? Or Bob. <laughs> Is it yod or yod? Yod hey vav hey. Yahweh literally, literally translated, literally I am that I am. But you begin to parse that even deeper and drill down. It means literally He who brings into existence. Whatever exists. I am who I am. I am that I am. I'm the one who brings into existence everything that exists. And, and so I just I just thought it would I beg your patience. I just I thought it would be fun to, to just to look at this together as we roll out this headline because it's all in the name. And it's absolutely Fascinating to me, incredibly, that these letters from the Hebrew alphabet, Yod, He, Vav, He, make up the letters of his most sacred and holy name. Bear with me. Yod is the smallest of all letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Yod almost looks like, a, like an apostrophe. Yod almost looks like a, just like a, a, a little etch, and it is. Now don't, don't be thrown by this, when you read Hebrew, you read it from right to left. So some of you are like, it's like backwards, no, it's, it's, that's the way they read, they read from right to left, and so Y-H-W-H, the Y, the Yod, the letter there for the, for the first, almost looks like a comma, almost looks like an apostrophe, apostrophe that's That's not an apostrophe, that's that's a letter, and it's the smallest letter in the entire Hebrew alphabet. Just wrap your brains around this for a second. The thought that when he comes up with the name that he wants to be known by, hey Moses, tell them this, tell them Yahweh. He starts with the letter in the Hebrew alphabet that is the smallest of all letters. But it is also the letter that you can't write any other letter without starting with the letter Yod. Every every letter in the entire alphabet. So he doesn't just say it because it sounds good that, that his word is upholding everything. It literally is true. You cannot write another letter without beginning with the letter Yod. It's the smallest, but it's the most frequent. It is in every other letter When you begin to etch a letter in Hebrew from right to left, you always begin with Yod. It begins and ends with the first letter in the name Yahweh. Come on, you're like, pick my brain up off the... It's the smallest, and you could miss it if you aren't careful, but it's also the most frequent, so it can't be missed. It is the, literally, it is the atom of the alphabet. It is the jot to which Jesus would speak of that heaven and earth are going to pass away. My word will not pass away. My word, my yod. Not even the jot or the tittle, the the, the small dotting of the eye, the, the the smallest little letter that looks like an apostrophe will be left out. It's the geometry of creation. It is the initial etch that is found in the formation of of every letter, and it is the first letter in the name of God. It's also the tenth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's the tenth. Yod, yod is, is, is the smallest, most frequent of all letters in Hebrew. And the tenth in their alphabet, ten. Now I, I just I, I admit I go, I kind of go crazy on these types of things. And I, I don't think everything is based on numerology. You don't want to base your 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 faith on numerology. But when the numerology sort of lines up, I think it's God smiling on us. I think it's I think it's a God nod. I mean, your foundation is built on the blood of Jesus and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a grave that is empty. Come on, church, say amen. But when you come along in your study and you find a little, a, a, a little surprise a, a numerology, it's, it's sort of, it's God smiling. It's God just going, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, the depths of the riches of the knowledge. And so, so yod, yod, yod. The smallest and most frequent of all letters in Hebrew is the 10th letter in the Hebrew alphabet. 10 always, always in Scripture represents order. Like what other letter would he begin his name with except the one that symbolizes for us and represents order, the 10th letter in the Hebrew alphabet, Yod, 10. Do you know that on the first day of creation, 10 things were spoken into existence? on the first day of creation. Not nine, not 11, not eight, not seven, 10. Order. Order, order, completeness. The, the 10 things were, were, were spoken into, into existence by the creator, Yahweh, on the, on the first day of creation. On the sixth day of creation, that's the last day because on the seventh he rested. On the sixth day of creation, does anyone want to guess how many things were spoken into existence? Ten. Just 10. Excellent guess <laughs> ten on the first day order ten on the, sec- on the on the sixth day order order Yahweh, Yahweh you have ten generations between Adam and Noah you have ten generations between Noah and Abraham you have ten plagues that have just caused disorder in Egypt under Pharaoh's watch to bring about. Renewed order as the people then as a result of the plagues are set free. You have 10 days of awe that we've just experienced on the Jewish calendar between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The 10 days of completeness and, and, and order. We're to give 10%. A tithe. In ordering our finances and putting the lord first do you realize that when the people would choose for themselves a lamb to be slain for the passover the passover lamb do you realize that the lamb was chosen by the people on the 10th day of the month on the 10th day is when jesus would ride in to jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and the people would declare for him to be their king. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. On the 10th, when Boaz receives the news that he can actually marry the love of his life, he's like, no, 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 I can't marry her. She's she's spoken for by someone else. No, no, Boaz, you get to be her redeemer. You are the kinsman redeemer. That could not be proven until Boaz stands before a jury of his peers of how many? How many? Ten. Had to be proven before ten, which then becomes which becomes the authority of any synagogue being established. It cannot be established until there are ten men over the age of 13. It is the number of order. When Jacob has this wrestling match with God and His name is changed from cheater, supplanter, from from Jacob to Israel. Israel governed by God. The only thing that remained from His previous name, the only thing that remained was the Yod. It was the little, smallest letter which is the first letter in God's name. Yod doesn't mean 10 because you have 10 fingers and 10 toes. You have 10 fingers and 10 toes because Yod means 10. And everywhere you step and everywhere you go and, and everything you devise and, and, and craft with your hands and play on your guitar as the fastest flat-picking guitarist is all meant to be done with your ten to the glory of Yod. That's just the first letter in his name. How, how about Vav? How about Look at Look at at Vav. Vav. He's in everything. If the Yod stands for God who's in everything to bring order and completeness into our life, the, the Vav, the W, the W represents man. That this God who brings completeness to everything became one of us. Became one of us, guys. To take our place on the cross. Vav in the Hebrew alphabet is the number six. Six is always the number of man. We were created on the sixth. And that little letter in Hebrew looks like a spike. The W letter, the vav letter. Y-H-W-H. Looks like a spike. It literally means spike. When the tabernacle was fastened, Incidentally, when the tabernacle was built, there were ten pillars. Order and completeness. And each pillar was secured to the ground with a spike. And and literally the word for spike that the tabernacle was secured to the ground with was the vav from God's name. For he is the one, the only one who fastens us. As he took our place and was Fastened to a cross to bear the punishment of our sins. He is the only one who now secures us to the tabernacle. It's in his name. It's all in the name. The fastener. Oh, The fastener of our, of our salvation that is made available to us only, only one way. It's made available to us by grace. And that word is not used once but twice in His name. yod hey, vav He, Yahweh, a God who is in everything and in everything by grace who became one of us suffered the penalty of our sins when He was fastened to the cross which was the outpouring again of His grace. All represented for us in the letters that make up His name. Have you ever seen this before? I mean, I I sort of feel like I'm at that age in life where I'm I'm wanting to sort of check some boxes and say, okay, we finally did the Samaria series that I've always wanted to do that I've never heard anyone preach, and have we really spent some time getting to know our God. So let's do that. Yeah. And here is what his name for us represents and and, and and here's what it means and 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 for hey, hey. Hey is the Hebrew word that represents grace. Hey. Grace. the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. A double outpouring of the grace of God. In his name, Elohim. Yahweh, Yahweh, Elohim. Elohim is is in English six letters. In Hebrew, five. And the middle letter, the middle letter is, hey! The middle letter of God's name, Elohim. Hey! Grace. That at the guts and heart of who this God is is found for all that would turn and believe grace in his name. And that letter, sort of like the vav looks like a spike. This letter for grace is, is like a covering. It's like a hut. It's like a shelter that we come into and out of the storms of life, and that is the grace that, 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 that God has for us. In his name, Elohim is this picture of his grace. And not once but twice in his name does, does this appear, grace upon grace, as we're told in Scripture. That in probably his most famous of all miracles, Jesus takes two fish... So there's your two, grace upon grace. And and how many loaves? Five. It's just a God nod. To which then would be the outpouring of the blessing of a miraculous meal that feeds 5,000. Don't 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 church, don't don't blow this off. don't be bored by it. don't be like, ah, oh. don't miss the grace. The beauty of his grace is in the beauty of his name. It's in the very nature of who he is. It is on full display in his most well-known and popular of miraculous events in his ministry. Do you remember the grace that's bestowed upon Benjamin? Look at, look at Genesis real quick as we, as we wrap this up. In Genesis chapter 43, you have this reunion of Joseph and his brothers. He's been waiting for decades. He's been waiting for so long. And, and um, finally he has this lunch set up for him at his house. And and. And Joseph's brothers are taken over there to his house, and, and uh, he still hasn't revealed to them that he's Joseph. He's still kind of keeping that under wraps. He's all dressed up in his Halloween Egyptian costume, right? And, 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 and he's having a hard time holding it back. And in chapter 43, look at verse 29. I love this. He lifted up his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. Does it say that in your Bible? Is that his mother's son? That means they had the same mom. These, These two brothers were the two brothers born of Rachel. The rest from Leah and other girlfriends of Jacob along the way, but these two stand out as the only two that were born to Jacob from the love of his life, from from Rachel. And Joseph's been waiting to see Benjamin for what seems like forever. And he's like, is this Benjamin? Is this my mom's other son? Is this my true brother? Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And they said, yeah, it is. And, And he says, God be gracious to you grace of god grace of god and he just he can't he kind of can't just can't hold back the tears and and uh, look at this verse 30 just just look at the emotion of this his heart yearned for his brother and joseph made haste and he sought somewhere where he could weep where he could just let let it out i mean all this pent up emotion i mean being thrown into a pit and being thrown into jail and doing stuff that he he, he, he didn't do that he was, he was, he was lied about, and it's like all of that just comes out here, and, 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 and he weeps, he went into his chamber, and he wept there, and, he, and, and then look at verse 31, he washed his face and kind of straightened out his little Egyptian headgear and everything, and got, got himself back together, came back out, restrained himself, and said, okay, serve the meal, serve the bread, all right? And they set him in place by himself, and, and, and then by himself, and, and the Egyptians ate um, by themselves, because the Egyptians couldn't eat food. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Hebrews, it's abomination. Okay, whatever. And and, and, and then he and, and they sat before him. First, look at this. Okay, you're pecking order here going down. He got they sat before him. The firstborn, according to his birthright. The youngest, according to his youth. The Egyptians over there at the at the small Thanksgiving table, because it's abomination for them to. And and then he took servings. Verse thirty-four. Don't miss this. He took servings to them before them, but Benjamin's serving was five times as much as any of theirs. Five. What would you learn today? Five's the number of grace. Grace. And it shows up twice in his name. And we are now living in the age of grace. We are a generation of grace. Don't miss, don't miss the grace of God. Don't miss the grace of God that is then given to Saul of Tarsus, the most religious guy you could ever possibly imagine meeting, who is now on the road to Damascus to go and wipe out this movement known as Christianity, is stopped in his tracks and knocked off his horse and blinded by the light to come to a converting moment of now accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and then goes and shares a message of the gospel of grace to the Gentile world and oh, by the way, by the way, Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin. Take that home, Mercury. From the tribe of grace. From the tribe of Benjamin. It's all in the name. And you unpack the very letters of the name of God and you will find that he is in everything. And everything exists that exists because of him and by his grace. And then he comes and steps into our world and takes our place with the very spikes to which are in his name so that there can be the outpouring of grace. Father, Yod. Son, Vav, the Spirit of grace that is made up in the very letters of the name of Yahweh. A couple other thoughts as we wrap up. His, his nature is eternal. He's always been. He's not going anywhere. But by His grace, He is sparing you and I by His long-suffering that we would cash in and be the recipients now On his grace and mercy to which he lovingly continues to extend. His nature is eternal. I am that I am. It's in my very name, Yahweh, Yahweh. But his, his, his nurture for us is personal. His nature is eternal, but his nurture is personal. He's like, I want to be your friend like I was Moses' friend. I want to shelter and cover you in my grace as I sheltered and covered him. In Psalm 19, it says the heavens declare the glory of God, but the heavens aren't declaring Yahweh. They're declaring Elohim. It's less personal. The most sacred and personal name is then saved for later in Psalm 19 where where, where it says, what is man that you are mindful of? Because he wants to not only be one who is true to his nature as being eternal, but true to his nurture of being your personal closest, best ally and friend. His nearness, in other words, his nearness is interactive. He has absolutely no obligation whatsoever to be near. But he chooses to be with us. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am I'm, I'm with you. I am for you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He, he, he wants to be interactive in all of the challenges to which you find yourself faced with. Even in this very moment, no obligation to do so. And yet this is his nature, both eternal, his nurture personal, and his nearness to be interactive in it all. Get this. Get this headline. He never changes. He's not gonna be different tomorrow. He's the same yesterday, come on, today and forever. Get this, get this headline, he's not like you. (laughs) Quit trying to limit him to become like you, he's not like you, he says to us, jot this down, Psalm 50 verse 21, he says, memo, I ain't like you. And yet he becomes one of us. You know why? Here's a headline, because neglect is not in his vocabulary. That is so awesome about our God, that he'll never neglect. He'll never leave you abandoned. He will never forget. He will. listen. He is the name above all names. I don't know how else to say it, but it is all there for you and I to unpack and discover, In the grace of his name. Do you realize that the fifth time that the name Noah shows up in the Bible is the moment that Noah finds grace in the eyes of God? The fifth time. The fifth time that Ruth shows up in the Bible. The fifth time. Is the moment that Ruth finds grace. The fifth time. That David is mentioned in 1 Samuel is the time that David finds favor and grace. This is our God. And he's not your man upstairs, he's not your guy, he's not your dude, he's not your Santa, and he's not your servant. He's not in a box. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he deserves all the glory, you guys. He deserves for you and I to give him our praise and to give him our lives. And as Dennis came out and sang, we ought to do that together. We ought to give God all the glory for the great things that he has done. Would you stand with us? Come on, let's stand. Dennis, come on out, would you, buddy? How about we end with how great thou art, church? Would that be awesome? Come on, buddy, lead us in that, would you? God bless you.